Octogenarian Joe Biden as president-elect and cop Mala. So Dawson and I are here to break it down for you. Dawson, what's up? Uh, not much. Uh, I am honestly just overjoyed uh, through the roof. Uh, the, the, the Cheeto has been uh, smashed into just uh, just that Cheeto, Cheeto dust that uh, settles at the bottom of the bag. And uh, I think that, uh, you know, all civic minded um, institutionalists should be rejoicing um, at this return to normalcy that we've just achieved as the American people. I think so. Um, I think it's really funny how people are like partying for Biden, the least the person who's given me the least enthusiasm, I would argue, in my entire life <laughs> to vote for that. Sure. Um, and, you know, um, you know, you live in a healthy democracy when uh, you win by like 9 million votes, probably. And uh, it comes down to, you know, less than 50,000 votes in like three states. Yeah. A little too close for comfort, in my opinion. But, um, you know, what can I say? Yeah. Do we want to talk about the Electoral College a bit? There's been some takes. We can talk about the Electoral College, which is just that it's it's become increasingly an anti-democratic institution, right? Like as as far as like in 2000, there was obviously Bush v. Gore, but that was like a relatively close race. Uh, and then obviously in 2016, we saw Hillary Clinton win by three million votes, but lose the presidency because of the Electoral College. And that is obviously the first sign of just like the failure of this uh, this institution. But what I would say is that even worse um, is this year, uh, even in spite of the fact that it looks like Joe Biden will have won both the popular vote and the Electoral College, he's going to have ended up winning the popular vote by way more than Hillary Clinton won the popular vote uh, in a record turnout election. And he's just almost by just like a sheer like less than one standard deviation of just randomness, right? The What was the weather like in Georgia that day? What was the weather like in Pennsylvania that day? Going to have won the presidency. But we should all still be alarmed by the fact that you can win by as many votes as Joe Biden did and still be waiting, biting your nails for five days to see if you're going to eke it out in like, you know, Pennsylvania and Nevada. I mean, that's just wild. Yeah, and isn't there... Um... Well, the 270 number that everybody was waiting for. But isn't there also like there's certain states like Hawaii where like they'll just call it for the candidate at a certain they have um, compromise agreements. Mm. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, I don't know much about that. Okay. Um, but I know that in Hawaii, it's pretty much deep blue. And so it usually gets called pretty much instantly. They also have this thing called compromise agreements, which a much smarter person has done an episode on that they will be releasing. RF Hassan, I'll link it in the show notes. But um, he goes kind of deeply into it. Um, where there were certain, just certain states, as we know, we were waiting on and sitting on because of also, this was a wild election with the mail-in ballots and Trump kind of fueling his base. We had some funny moments with people, uh, I don't know, interrupting press conferences, going to protest the count. Then we had like people going and having count, count every ballot parties. But anyways, at the end of the day, president elect, uh, 46 is going to be Joseph Biden. And we're going to have Kamala Harris as 
vice president. More important. Yeah, that's I mean, that's the most important <laughs> thing that happened is that now we're going to have the first female vice president in the year 2020, which is something we should all be celebrating because that's a huge deal. I can't tell if you're being sarcastic. I'm kind not. of being sarcastic. <laughs> okay. only, only because only because it's like at this point, it's like, who cares? So what? You're achieving you're achieving like this like symbolic victory for equality. That's like, first of all, not even a first female head of state, but first female like vice head of state in like a year. She'll be head of state. He's not gonna last four years. You know, I, I mean, just maybe. four years in him. Well, Kamala Harris could very well become vice or become president of the United States, but like I guess my point is that like it's it, we've gotten to a point culturally where it's basically un untenable to have like an all man ticket until we've had at least one like woman president. And so as like I guess that that's like a nice little consolation prize um for having just like a, a totally like a ticket that we just like weren't happy with. But at the same time, I, I do think that like, you know, I, I'm seeing some people in my feed celebrate the election of Kamala Harris to be vice president of the United States. But for the most part, I think everyone's just happy that Trump lost, which I can I can understand. I mean, I'm I'm happy that Trump lost. Well, that's like my thing, too. I think there's a big difference in people who are celebrating that Trump is out of office because of the obscene, horribly specific things I guess he did. But versus like being excited for Joe Biden and Kamala Harris and not just like being like, OK, next people to fight. I mean, and I think I think it's it would be a lot more exciting if the Democrats had taken back the Senate, because at least then we could like, you know, push you know, push the cart, the very heavy cart in the in the direction that we want it to go. Um, whereas short of them taking back the Senate, um, you're going to have basically a president that can't do anything legislatively. And that will probably have any meaningful executive action that he takes challenged and potentially blocked in the courts. Um, and you're going to have a Senate that gets exactly what they want. I don't think that Mitch actually cares. I think that Mitch basically got everything he wanted when he's fulfilled the federal judiciary. And what he gets to do now is prevent the Democrats from undoing that harm, which is all that he needs to get everything that he wants. Um, and the rest of the time he can spend saying, well, the, 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 the Democratic president wants to wants to spend billions, billions <laughs> of dollars to b b taxpayer money. And uh, well, I don't think so. You know, when the shoe was on the other foot, um, uh, but he just gets to he just gets to bloviate in his special Mitch McConnell way for the next two years um, and be fine. And we won't be able to get anything. And so I said basically that, like, if the worst outcome, you know, was basically Trump getting reelected with or without taking back the House. The second worst outcome is basically this outcome, which is Joe Biden winning the presidency and the Democratic Party not taking back the Senate. And that's a disaster for us. And I think that people can celebrate Trump losing. But at the same time, we have to be real that the political situation in America is actually worse now than it was before. I think it does make sense. I guess like my big thing is um, I, I don't know if the energy that people had to be anti-Trump will be sustained with people putting pressure on this administration. And that's like my biggest fear where I'm like, please sustain this energy that people had to be so anti-Cheeto man, whatever. But the, the, the big thing is the, the crowd that's like very anti-Cheeto man and like women's marchy and like where, where the pink pussy hats and everything. I think they're just going to sit on their rest on their laurels now. I think they're fine and they're sa satiated. So they, they were kind of like, 
helping, I would say, with certain causes in the summer. They were showing up a bit physically and like giving to mutual aid, perhaps, and things like that, that they saw and GoFundMes. But now those that crowd is completely okay again. And that kind of worries me. I don't know about you. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I think it remains to be seen exactly how much Biden winning is going to depress civic action. But I think that like, that fear is definitely real. I don't think it was enough to like, try to get Trump reelected. I think that like, I don't know, I think that like, potentially, like, what I guess I'm hoping for is that um, once people are awake, it's like too late to put the toothpaste back in the tube kind of thing. Um, and, and that basically people are going to continue to continue to be as engaged as they were throughout the Trump presidency and hopefully maybe even get a little bit more engaged now. But yeah, no, I do think that like for a lot of people, it's really not about their conditions changing or even really conditions changing. It's, it's more about them feeling good about who their president is. And if they have defeated Trump, they've gotten what they wanted. And I do think that that is kind of a little bit disastrous for um, the progressive movement only because like, you know, we like like Joe Biden getting elected doesn't actually solve any of the the actual political problems that this country has. Right. The only problem that it solves is the Trump problem. Somebody commented on my Facebook status about um, this outcome being meh. And they said, well, whatever, we slayed the dragon. And I'm like, I, not really. I mean, you, you cut the head off of a hydra and it's going to grow back three more in its place. Like the, the fact is, is that Trumpism was never going to end with Donald Trump getting out of office. Um, and the absolutely insane, just machismo kind of like very much like WWE entertainment movement that he's built is still going to be there. And like, they're not going to have him to latch onto, but Trump, Trump's also just not going to go away either. No, right. Exactly. Like you can expect to see him on one American news network or whatever, talking for the rest of time and about how 2020 was rigged. And, uh, you know, there'll be people that listen to him and, uh, other Republicans will try to pick up the mantle. Um, and hopefully they won't find as much success as Trump because they're not as, um, entertaining yeah but you know it's hard to know for sure but it's like um time maybe feels like it moves slow but four years can move fast and i feel like you could we could get another republican with a lot of popularity because a lot of some of trump's popularity and base were people who were i would say left behind by obama which you and i have talked about before and just didn't feel anything with hillary and i feel like with this joe kamala thing i think democrats don't like a lot of them that i see on the timeline and i've talked to I don't think they understand that this there were so many conditions in place that gave them this win. There right. was like there were progressives who pushed each other to vote because of harm reduction, quote unquote. Right. There was a pandemic where over 300,000 people died and this man was so incompetent yep. and a second stimulus check never came. So like there were if it wasn't for coronavirus, this would have been this should have been an easy win. It was not an easy win. And they have four years to try to make to try to change their strategy. I don't think they will. And then. Okay, I want to talk about even like the appalling Biden cabinet, like this in this whole idea that all of the Biden speeches that are like unity, we have to be like now we're going to be unity, unified, unified to these people that they just like for four years were like they suck. But anyways, I, I'm pretty sure like this Biden com like it's going to be like U.S. imperialism without ta tantrums. It's still going to be imperialist. They're just not going to have these diva moments of like, I ordered the CIA a bunch of milkshakes because I got bored during the meeting. But it's right. still going to be horrible. And I think Biden, I think what I admire about Republicans is that they don't like let in centrist Dems into their cabinet. But we're going to let in centrist Republicans and people from like the Lincoln Project can basically control the direction of 
not only the presidency, but the future of the Democratic Party. And I would just say that, like, I mean, you're 100 percent right. I agree with everything that you're saying. Um, and, and like to the to the extent that, you know, to the extent that that uh, Joe Biden getting elected, it, like, is going to improve um, the administration. Right. It's also going to uh, create a situation where you have uh, total gridlock in Congress and we're not going to be able to get any relief to the point where, like, we were probably even going to get more um, with Trump reelected than we would have uh, with electing Joe Biden. And, and, and that's where I start to really, really fault the Democratic Party and the Democratic Party leadership, because, um, you know, there was that opportunity that we talked about last time we spoke um, where. Um, Basically, the Democrats had the opportunity uh, to basically um, pull rank on Mitch McConnell and work a, work out a deal uh, that was twice as big as what they were talking about doing with Mnuchin um, directly with Trump because he was eager to to get his name on some type of proverbial stimulus check yeah. before the election. And I think that they basically gave up that opportunity because they really, really didn't want to rock the boat. The polls looked like Joe Biden was going to win, and um, now they're probably feeling vindicated. But the fact is, is that that was our only opportunity to get that stimulus relief. And we're not going to get anything for at least two years now. So, like, you have this basically this this insane trade off, right, where it's like it's not even you're trading the presidency for a stimulus check. It's you're trading the fear of changing the outcome of the presidency for a stimulus check. And that's just that's just insane. Like, like, there's no point in having power unless you want to, unless you're going to wield it, right? And like, I think that like, to the Republicans' credit, they've created a party, and the basis of their party is such where if they don't wield power, they will lose it. And for the Democrats, it's exactly the opposite. They they can only build power through refusal to wield it. And as soon as they wield power, at least in their minds and maybe in reality, because, you know, it's the party that they've created, as soon as they wield power, they're liable to start losing elections, right? It's like, well, if we had tried to stop Amy Coney Barrett from getting confirmed, moderates may have not liked it. They may have seen it as being uh, against Senate comedy and they may have voted for Trump as a result. Okay, great. But then what's the point? Like, what's the point of us? And that's what I keep saying. I think that if anything, the Joe Biden administration is going to be an improvement to the EPA, except that now you have a Supreme Court that is potentially going to overturn the Chevron doctrine, which says that the EPA is allowed to do basically any type of regulation without specific approval from Congress. Uh, You're going to have maybe some better conditions on immigration. Uh, and you're basically just going to have a more competently run uh, administration, but they're not going to be able to do anything like anything substantive. Right. It's a little bit better to not have somebody in there who's an absolute maniac. But at the same time, you know, it, the, the, the administration is, is going to be completely, completely pegged down by all of these things. And so for me, it's it's cause for celebration to defeat Trump only because it's fun to watch him lose, but that's about it. Uh, my other big things are like, um, okay, so like given the way Bernie Sanders was discussed over the last month and the push for Bernie Sanders voters, but then at the same time, Democratic Party people saying we don't need these people, blah, blah, blah. Like, is there any like future for democratic socialism in America or the party? I don't think so. I think I think Bernie Sanders, the way that they like 
he like he, and he like pounded the pavement for Joe Biden and he did not have to and he did but there's just like they just can never give credit to anything left of the center dems they can do it to the right of them and they like really pushed for that suburban mom vote and everything way harder but Bernie Sanders over the last few days uh, was on news talking about the working class. And that's what I want to get into. And like, how can the Democrats ever, they're going to lose, in my opinion, they're going to lose again in four years because they inherited the economy at a horrible point. Like you said, there's this gridlock now. There's nothing excitable about Joe Biden that there was with Obama that I think got him his second term in a way. Um, and he's he's going to be really old. And um, beyond that, uh, they they really worked hard, the Democrats, to kill any semblance of a growing democratic socialism at all in the party or like any any room for people like that. So, like, where are they supposed to find home? Like, I, and are we going to keep voting Democrat for the next few years? I don't know. I, I mean, I think that's their plan is to keep us voting Democrat. I mean, because we essentially have two choices and one of them is better than the other. Right. Like, I, I think it's like insane that anybody who fancies themselves a democratic socialist would like find a home in the Republican Party. Yeah, I don't think we do that. Obviously, we have lots of friends uh, probably that want to just just either leave electoral politics and stop participating or uh, move towards third parties or independent candidates. Um, but I think that like for me, it's basically all about it's all about local and state elections uh, and trying to pr- improve conditions where you are. Um, because that's ultimately where an individual actually has their sphere of influence. Um, you know, there's not a whole lot that we can do to change uh, the federal disaster uh, as individuals um, and even as organized groups. It's it might honestly the fates kind of might be sealed. Right. You have we're, we're kind of doomed uh, to 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 repeat this pattern of exchanging power between two parties as the whole thing kind of gets ratcheted to to, to more conservative means. Um, and like to corporate towards corporate rule, um, which is, you know, obviously not going to be good for working people or the planet. But to the extent that we can make a difference, um, it's it's not it's the, 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 the thing to change is not is not whether you're focusing on Democrats or focusing on something else. It's uh, are you focusing on the presidential election and investing your hopes and dreams and who occupies that office or if you're vesting it in um you know who's running your city council who's running your state legislature things like that because that's actually an area where one individual um if you commit kind of your life uh to it or even if you commit you know five ten percent of what you do to it you can make a huge difference right uh i obviously was campaign manager for a candidate and we just flipped a seat right from a from a, a democrat to a democratic socialist and that's the type of things that we can accomplish but at the same time, we're, we're not going to be able to do things like stopping Amy Coney Barrett from being confirmed, right? We don't have the power to do that. The only people who have the power to do that are, are Chuck Schumer and Nancy Pelosi. And we can put pressure on our representatives to get them out, uh, and we should, but you know, ultimately, uh, we don't have direct access to those levers of power. The levers of power that we have direct access to is who is running our city council, who is running our, um, who is running our state legislatures, is our workplace organized? You know what, like just these these basic things that are are much much closer to home, um, and and so that's I would say that for for anybody who is is feeling like us, where uh, the the election of Joe Biden is kind of a bittersweet victory, to just recommit your focus um, 
elsewhere. Stop thinking about presidential politics. Um, it's over. It's done. The election is in the past. Thank fucking God. And now it's time to uh, commit to something that actually matters. Yeah, I agree with you. And I guess like um, the year, there were like as much as there were bad things that went on, there were a lot of micro victories uh, during this week and a half. So Cory Bush is official. Omar Fatah is official. Um, there were a few more that I was thinking of that now I'm blanking on. Um, some people lost their seats that it's a good sign. But then there's also, yeah, of course, like the Marjorie uh, QAnon person got a seat, which is like unhinged to me, but whatever, like it happened. Yeah, I mean, it's fun to celebrate primary victories in the general election. Um, Omar Fateh uh, won his seat with um, a narrow 80% margin. Um, literally 90% of his constituents voted for him um, because it's a deep blue district. And so that was fun for us, for sure. But at the same time, like we knew he was going to win. There was no like there was no like concern uh, like, I don't know. And, and and so that's I mean, that's kind of like my thing has been kind of like primaries and municipal general elections where it's essentially a primary just in November. Um, but like the at the at, like, I don't know, like at the same time, like I, I not to like throw shade on like your uh, analysis of micro victories, because like obviously like it's fun to celebrate symbolic wins. But at the same time, like, you know, Prop 22 passed in California. None of these like you know, none of these nail biter Senate races went the right way. Uh, the Democrats lost seats in Congress. Like, it's not great. Like, I, I, I don't know. Like, I, I just am, I could not be less non excited. Like, I was more excited in 2018 by about a factor of five um, when in Minnesota, we retained control of the governorship um, and, uh, you know, the Democrats took back the House of Representatives give denying the Republicans control of both houses of Congress and the presidency. Like that to me was way more important than whatever the fuck just happened on Tuesday. Yeah, I think you're right. And I know it's okay to, to, to humble me because we're going to do an episode on California specifically, but like, obviously there were other things that happened this week that are, or that are, that are horrendous, like prop 22. Yep. It's that's horrendous. And I know that the amount of money that was poured into that, but there was just so much that went on that a lot of this, was easily easily like lost in the discussions but um I guess I guess my big thing too is with this Joe Biden win I'm like stuck on what does this mean for like actual as leftists like what does this mean for actual like leftist gains like did we have more momentum when it was more people against Trump because now I don't think we're gonna have as much momentum yeah I mean it's less momentum but it's also like I mean you can you can you can take to the tr to the streets all you want and it's not gonna make it's not going to change what a republican president is going to do other than that he's going to demonize and vilify you and use you as a political uh you know bait dog um to talk about antifa and the radical joe biden left but now that joe biden's elected it will quell unrest but uh what unrest and sort of um participation direct action uh remains is going to have um, actual ability to put public pressure on a Democratic president. Um, and that's honestly, I think, well and good, and we should. And for me, it's like, you know, one thing uh, where Joe Biden doesn't have the ability to kind of like um, blame Congress for uh, not being effectual is just like shutting down um, a lot of this r r just like really, really disgusting 
um, operation of uh, taking people who are fleeing um, violence and putting them into concentration camps, for example. Yeah. I think like that's the kind of thing that we should be focusing on. Um, there's not going to be any profound changes to health the way that healthcare is done in this country in the next two years. There's not going to be profound changes to to the 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 when it comes to the climate crisis and shifting away from fossil fuels towards a green energy economy and there's probably not going to be the real serious action to reduce inequality in this country but one thing that we can do is we can turn up the heat and tell them to um to really just stop this atrocity that we're this this just like modern day you know, Japanese in, internment, essentially, um, when it comes to uh, the way that we're treating non, non-U.S. non citizens uh, in this country. I agree with you. And I guess my other my other big thing, um, as we wind down, because we can do some deeper analysis later, is I, I guess the energy towards movements and then these local wins. And I'm so happy, obviously, for the one that you helped with. Um, and we should we should celebrate it. I know you're <laughs> you're you're like humble about it, Dawson. but I think it's going to be an uphill hellish battle to convince people who only understand politics as like Cheeto man bad that that a woman who is a woman of color for me at least from my standpoint that a woman who is a woman of color is actually can do harm. Right. And like it's been driving me up the walls with people who are even trying to do nuance by being like, oh, it doesn't matter that this was her record as a prosecutor. And like, we are all into abolition this summer and defunding because it's still a symbolic warm body win. And I just, I don't know what's going to happen. There's an AOC interview that came out. I don't know if you saw it with the New York Times where even AOC seems like she's starting to like have issues, like be public about the internal issues she has within the Dems. She used to kind of not touch it or like, you know, talk around it. But yeah, and so like, I, I like we all as leftists, I think, have our moments with AOC, but like she's still somebody who like we're like, OK, it can happen like this can happen. This person can happen. And she has the numbers and can like inspire and mobilize. But yeah, now, yeah. Like, I don't know your take on it. We've never actually discussed it. So this is interesting. I look I OK, so I have a a, a rarefied relationship with a member of the squad in Congresswoman Ilhan Omar. Oh, yeah. Um, not super rarefied, but like, um, you know, she knows she knows my name. I know hers. And, you know, there's probably, you know, 500 people around Minneapolis, 500 to 1000 people um, that, you know, have kind of like a, a, a more personal relationship with the with this individual. And like the thing that I would say about her is like, she's so close to home that like anybody that's really active in Minneapolis politics, like doesn't know her, knows her, knows like her, her sort of like, um, they see her in high definition and some people don't like her. Some people, they like support her, but they like kind of roll their eyes at some of her stuff that she does. But the point is, is that none of that fucking matters because on the national stage, she is a symbol of, uh, anti-imperialism, hostility towards people like Elliot Abrams, hostility towards capitalism, hostility towards, you know, the democratic establishment. And, and like, that's ultimately like more important than like whatever, 
you know, things that we don't like about her persona or whatever. Yeah. And I would say that for AOC, like it's easy. It's really easy to like groan at some of AOC's shit. And she's not perfect, but nobody is. The fact is, is that like right now she's pretty much all we have. Like, uh, I don't think that there's going to be a Bernie Sanders like figure that's going to come up and just like take over leadership of sort of the emergent left. It's going to be more of a coalition. It's going to be more like, you know, the squad. Uh, the squad at Al, right? The squad's getting bigger. Um, and that's good because, you know, it's, 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 I, I, be, I believe that um, for the, for the left specifically to be successful, it can't invest all its hopes and dreams in one individual. Um, what I would say is, is that for me, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez is the only it's like and, and Rashida and Elhan um, less so Ayanna Presley to be honest, uh, but Cory Bush all represent are the only representatives of my politics in Congress, mm-hmm. and so like for better or for worse, like that's the that's like what we have to kind of embrace, like as both the left and as and ultimately as the Democratic Party, right? Like we have to start winning these basically primary races and close seats and try to get some of these like lifelong um, Dems uh, out of office uh, and and just like take over a kind of a critical mass of the party to where we just can't be uh, taken for granted or ignored. It's it's not necessarily that, uh, you know, it's not like it's it's not going to be um, everything that we want and it's going to take a long time. But if you can get, you know, a coalition of 20 to 30 progressives elected to Congress, I mean, they can start actually wielding power, right? Um, just by kind of caucusing together on certain issues. Um, and if, if, if that's, if we're going to use um, electoral power and the power of the political system for the left, that's how it's going to happen. Um, it's not going to happen, um, unfortunately, uh, by winning, um, winning the presidency, uh, to be honest. It's going to it's going to happen through winning primaries. I agree with you. I think it just feels like snail's pace sometimes. But I 100 percent, I 100 percent agree with you. Um, I don't know. I what do we have to look forward to? (laughs) We're going to look forward to how do they get this man out of office? Uh, We have I don't know. I I think I think what's going to give me like brain damage is just like watching people fawn over this who like normally should not be fawning over this, who should just be like, okay, we got him out. We have these two people. Now let's like fight against them. You know, I personally, I kind of just think that the right thing to do is to accept that the average person doesn't inject poison into their brain via politics to the point where they're cynical about every every single political person and thing and uh just like let people be happy and uh you know just kind of chill out for a month um while people kind of process this and maybe stay offline uh and that's basically what i'm gonna do actually that's not what i'm lying that's not what i'm gonna do at all uh, because I I do inject poison into my brain. <laughs> no, we do. Yeah, I was like, um, no, like I've been trying to stay offline and I'm not scrolling as much, but um, I feel like you and I share things with each other, which is fine. I think people yeah. should, yeah, like <laughs> to wrap up, like people should like, yeah, go on some walks, um, have a friend that you can just rant to and only have that friend. People are going to lose some friends maybe. I know some people who've already started to lose friends Uh if you're South Asian, don't fall into the Kamala South Asian trap and post corny shit about food and like 
(laughs) and like words. Um, that's my thing. And yeah, I'm letting people celebrate because obviously like I have a lot of privilege that I now live in Canada and have healthcare and Mm. stuff. So I'm trying to be mindful of that, but I live in Canada for reasons related to Florida being such a red state. Yeah. So, but people can celebrate, but like a month from now, I don't want to see people who are calling for abolition and defunding being like, my vice president is a woman. Right. She was a cop. <laughs> I mean, I also don't think that that's going to happen. Like from those people calling for abolition and stuff. I don't think that you're going to see that. I think you're going to see it from people who aren't calling for abolition. People who maybe post say their names and shit, but you're not going like you're not going to get it from abolitionists. No, no, I don't know. I've seen a lot of abolitionists become Bidenists. Like the big abolition writers. Yeah, there's some big, there's one person who wrote the defunding the police book that's like from Verso or Haymarket or something who was like wildly posting and like a few others. I mean, aren't they just posting against Trump though? No, I wish it was that way. Oh, wow. Some of them, like, there's like a really cool rad academic who like yesterday posted a Kamala Harris, Stacey Abrams praising tweet with their pictures and, and we're like black women saved us. And I was like, you are a critical, like, race theorist person who has criticized these two people for, like, taking oligarch Bloomberg money, for, like, imprisoning people. And I don't know what happens, but, like, maybe, like, Dawson, if I ever suffer from this, like, wake me up and, like, yell at me. If I ever suffer from seeing somebody who has, like, one shared identity with me, like, being a woman or being brown or something or mixed heritage or something, scream at me if it goes against my principal politics and I just like have a bad moment a moment of weakness I think a lot of people had moments of weakness yesterday I'm gonna give it a month like you said so Nashua we have uh to wrap up we have a a a look at real Donald Trump's Twitter uh and Donald Trump is of course doing what he's told us he's gonna do um for the last year which is to dispute the outcome of the election if he loses and we do have some indication that he's going to get somewhere with it. Um, they're not going to, I just have to say this, they're not going to be able to overturn the outcome of the election. Um, it's just too definitive. And all, none, of, none of these even right-wing judges have that much incentive to do it because they are not uh, Trump loyalists. Um, they're loyal mm. to a set of Federalist Society principles, which will outlast Donald Trump. Um, and the idea of them overturning an election judicially would destroy the it would destroy the judiciary um and they're not willing to do that so um we go to trump's twitter and we see every tweet is is marked uh as this may be uh this may be civic disinformation but we still think you should have the right to look at it from uh from twitter from jack dorsey um so on november 6th at 1 22 a.m trump tweets I easily win the presidency of the United States with legal votes cast. The observers were not allowed to do their job and therefore votes accepted during this period should be determined to be illegal votes. So, okay, so you're going to take you're going to discount votes. Trump Trump is in this box where he he has to like try to discount some votes but not others because he needs in some places he needs them to keep counting and in other places he needs them to stop counting, which is going to be difficult. Um, but, uh, let's see what else Trump has said. Let's see what Trump has said today. I won this election by a lot. Trump says on November 7th. And the newest thing is Melania is apparently telling him to just like, give it up. Insiders say. Well, that's good. Maybe she doesn't want to be, maybe she wants the nightmare to be over. Maybe, but you know, one big thing to me is just like Trump. 
I don't think, I don't think people real like he's he's smart as unhinged as he is with his like tweets about Robert Pattinson and Kristen Stewart like I really don't want those tweets erased I like love old Trump classic tweets and mm. how coke is shit but he'll still drink it but he he's signaling to this base right and it's like what you touched on earlier which is no matter what he's gonna be on the news he's gonna be like riling up these people saying he like for till the till he dies that this election was rigged and that all these votes came in randomly and like how the military votes weren't counted and stuff like that and i think he has this like little base that's always going to be inspired by him to do other things like can he run in new york and win i don't know but he could probably run in florida and win right if he if he really wanted to do that so what's pretty funny there there i mean you're right i don't think the trump has ever wants to hold office again mm. but i do think that he wants to create a media empire based on right-wing conspiracy theory mongering about the deep state. Um, and I think that he's poised to make a lot of money doing that. I also think he's got some serious criminal liability. But I don't know, after Obama and the whole turn the page thing, I like find it hard to believe that. I mean, I, I it's not really up to Joe Biden. Um, because a lot of the criminal liability that Trump has is like, is, is violations of state law. But at the same time, I just like find it. It's really, really hard for me to believe that an ex-president uh, will ever go to will ever end up in prison uh, in America. Like I just, I, I just, it would be, it would be so novel um, that it's just hard for me to believe that that would happen. Although I, I obviously hope it does, even though I don't believe prison should exist. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's like we're prison abolitionists, but like maybe, <laughs> maybe prison for some. <laughs> Not even. It's just as long as there are prisons, Trump should be in them. Yeah. So there's one last story that I want to talk about, which is funny, which is uh, the story about Trump's press conference at the Four Seasons Total Landscaping, which is a rinky-dink landscaping company in Northeast Philadelphia, um, across the street from an adult video <laughs> store. Well, we needed that detail. And which, which featured Rudy Giuliani and the Trump team to talk about how they're going to uh, dispute the results of the election. Uh, and it's been speculated that the press conference was supposed to be uh, scheduled for the Four Seasons Hotel, which would be much more in Trump's style, right, of uh, sort of uh, opulence and uh, luxury. But it ended up being outside this rinky-dink landscaping firm in Philadelphia, which I actually think is a cooler place to have a political press conference. But it's uh, it seems oddly like it's not what Trump in intended. Um, including the fact that on his Twitter, he originally tweeted uh, that there would be a press conference at Four Seasons Philadelphia at 11 a.m. And then he later updated it to clarify that it was going to be at Four Seasons Landscaping. And then later said Four Seasons Total Landscaping. And he also they also uh, postponed it by 30 minutes. So I think there was maybe some confusion over where the uh, where the 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 final press conference uh, of the campaign, inshallah, uh, was going to take place, which is a pretty hilarious way to end uh, to end that saga, uh, if you ask me. Yeah, I think so. But also, I just think it's like, I don't know, I, Rudy Giuliani, I'm just like obsessed with the Borat 2 moment for him. And then this, like, I can't take this man seriously. I can't take Agreed. any of this seriously. Uh, we're going to be reviewing Borat 2 soon, inshallah. <laughs> Absolutely. That is going to be way more fun than whatever, than, than election wrap up. Yeah. And we're going to do a California episode. So thanks, Dawson, for doing this with me again. And everybody stay tuned. Thanks for having me as always. It's a blast. Bye. Bye.
These episodes take a small team. Many episodes are hosted by Nashalina Khan solo, political episodes co-hosted by Ryan Deshpande, art and music by Post America, editing and music by Johnny Zapras, production assistance by Raymond Kanano. Consider giving to us on Patreon to help fuel our team with chai and other fun things at Patreon forward slash Habibti Please. And find us on Twitter at Habibti Please with a B 